0: All right, Dick, I'm going to talk now about, um, what was going on from, um, when I came back out here in September of 1975, I had interviewed with First Presbyterian Church San Rafael, um, and was chosen as, I think I was the only woman candidate that applied. Um, I, uh, um, the assistant pastor. Charles Griffin was the pastor at First Press San Rafael, and the associate that interviewed me was Ewing Bone, I remember, and then they had a committee. So I became an assistant there. I was there until spring of 1979 uh, and did their youth work with their um, junior high, senior high. Worked with their elementary school person who is a Christian education. I had um, responsibility for, we started a college age group there. I did some preaching, uh, but usually the assistants didn't do much there as far as preaching. And we began uh, a huge youth program there that became very successful. Um, and I'll talk more about that then in the spring of 1979 um, when I left San Rafael I had been invited to become the executive director of the Council of Oakland Presbyterian churches there were 10 Presbyterian churches um, who called me as their executive director I was there from spring of 79 until um, I resigned and made I think it effective, the 1st of January, 1980. I then was off for six months and began working in a nursing home because that's where, well, I'll talk about that. Then um, began July 1st until November 15th. Well, July 1st, 1980, until November 15th. 1982, I was the minister of pastoral care at and did preaching and teaching at Metropolitan Community Church, San Francisco, on Eureka Street in the Castro area. Then from November 15, 1982 until February 28, 1991, um, or in, I guess it was yes. I was the um, executive director of Ministry of Light, now called Spectrum Center for Lesbian Gay Bisexual Concerns, and was a part of that whole name change. And then uh, March first, um, I, I guess it was. March 1st, no, 1992 it was. Um, I became um, a lesbian evangelist for the Downtown United Presbyterian Church. So I'm just trying to get those dates right there for you. Um, yeah. All right. That's a chron- chronology, and then I'll go into each section. No, it was no, um November 1982 until February 28, 1993 that I was Executive Director of Ministry of Light, now Spectrum Center for Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual Concerns. And in March 1, 1993, I was asked to become an evangelist by the downtown church in conjunction, in partnership with Spectrum. I'll talk about that. So there you are chronologically. I finished in September of 1975 at Hazelwood Presbyterian Ministry and then arrived of course to put our boys in school. Um, Jimmy and Shetty loved being here. Their daddy was very happy being back in California. It was difficult for me to have left the inner city and to be in the suburbs, which was very um, such a different place, but it when I began in November, the youth groups, the youth were so alive, and I invited them into our life. Um, several of them babysat the kids, and I, I began to have meetings immediately with, with junior high and senior high and their families. We set up and structured amazing programs for the kids. Um, I had tremendous advisors helped me both junior high and senior high do retreats away. We did confirmation classes in the senior high group. We went to elders homes and had dinner and people shared their faith. It was one of the most exciting um, years. I mean those several years we took them out to Zephyr Cove skiing. We took them to Westminster Woods. We took them to retreats overnight and the kids bonded tremendously, began to talk with me about their faith and their life, life that was going on. Uh, They began to share very deep things to me about um, abuse in their homes, about alcoholism, about, um, um, one person shared about incest, when we kept her away from her father and uh, so that she could get healing and some structure in her life. Our programs were very well done, very well thought out. We had tremendous education people, but I had advisors that were very committed to youth and the kind of programming that could happen that was good singing, good curriculum. Um, Our junior high, we set up a whole program in which they had a dinner on Wednesday evenings and then broke them up into small groups. They all had teachers as well as youth in senior high who modeled uh, what it was to be a healthy person. And so they had models of folks. Um, Again, I took the senior high When junior high. People went into senior high. I took them up to Mendocino and we did with advisors, a wonderful group of advisors, we did um, a week mission trip every summer in which the kids helped build the camp. Jim was involved in the church um, as, my, as my partner, as my husband, and the kids were all involved in Sunday school, went on all the mission trips with me and ski trips, and loved the church. Um, and we had lots of friends and, and saw, um, other young couples We became close to some of the advisors, um, but I knew by the kind of honesty that the youth were giving to me that I, too, was beginning to feel. um, That kind of authenticity brought out authenticity in myself. And it was really um, Jim, who had gone into the book business, who read the book Loving Someone Gay by Don Clark, and um, said, you really ought to read this, Janie, I, I couldn't read it, um, but it was really in that, those early years also uh, at San Rafael when I was asked to join the Board of Trustees of San Francisco Theological Seminary. had a really good time beginning to do work on that and, and uh, trying to do women's, um, begin to interview for women for faculty and setting up policy that was much more on equality. Um, so, I was very active and known, I think, in this presbytery very much as one who worked a lot with youth uh, and women's uh, ministry, um, Was had a very exciting and good relationship with people within the presbytery. Um, several of us did youth group work together and joined our youth groups together, did a lot of planning. So, I came to know my colleagues in ministry, predominantly men um, So, but had a very good rapport. I was also fortunate to have Shannon and Bear Scott as my associates. And as you know, in 1976, the study was to be done around homosexuality in the church and that is, would presbyteries have the right to ordain, um, if they so choo- chose, a person who was well qualified for ministry who happened to be lesbian or gay. And that was my friend Bill Silver, who was in Long Island at the time. He was qualified for ministry, and um, it was really because of his qualifications and that he was prepared for ministry that the New York City Presbytery overtured the denomination General Assembly to what should they do. And the task force was created Shannon and Bear Scott asked Chris Glosser, who was then executive director of the Lazarus Lazarus Project, an openly gay male who had been turned down um, by his presbytery to be transferred from Yale to, uh, I think it was San Fernando Presbytery, I'm not sure. But it was really Chris who came up to First Pres San Rafael and did a dialogue uh, in this presbytery. Many people were invited in the church as well as surrounding churches. I remember meeting him and um, liking him so much and wanting our youth to meet him. And also then asked about, um, as a woman in ministry, I was invited to come to a meeting in which Redwoods Presbytery was studying the issue of homosexuality in the church. They were studying it, and I I came to San Francisco Theological Seminary. It was there I heard the story of, Reverend Bill Johnson, who was the first United Church of Christ minister, and Ellen Barrett, openly gay, and Ellen Barrett, the first Episcopal priest that was openly lesbian. And as I heard their stories in the room, I knew clearly they were my story. And all the mythology that I had had around lesbian-gay people began to dissipate. It was at that meeting that I, um, hearing Bill Johnson and Ellen Barrett, it was never the same again. Um, my heart began to pound, and I knew I had to get home to Jim. And that's when I walked in the door and said, Jim, I have to say this out loud. I know that I'm a lesbian. And he said, I know I've been waiting for you to tell me for a year. And it was relief and release. We cried together and laughed together, and that was the evening we went to the dinner table and told the boys who we are. I, he just said, Mom, tell the boys the wonderful news that you found out about yourself." And I cried with them and told them Mummy had finally found out who she is and they cried because I was crying. I mean, Jimmy did and said, Mommy, you love people. That's what's most important. And my Chetty said, oh, Mom, isn't this wonderful? Let's go tell the church. Well, from that time onward, um, Jim and I weren't sure what that meant. We told the boys we weren't sure what it meant. Um, but um, I went to see then Don Clark who wrote Loving Someone Gay. I had done therapy before and um, it was clear by now that um, uh, in meeting Don Clark, a wonderful gay therapist, that all I had to do was go in and talk with him. You know, he just said, there's nothing the matter with you. Um, You're coming to know who you are. And it was just so freeing for me to talk with him and Jim and I went to see him and he just said you'll call me one more time and he talked with us about how much we loved one another and and to begin to think about maybe to say goodbye to one another while we still loved one another and that didn't seem in our what we thought we would do um Jimmy and I thought we'd be together what did this knowledge mean but it wasn't too much longer that we knew we knew Uh, And I'll never forget going up to Bandon, Oregon with the boys Thanksgiving weekend and telling them that Mommy and Daddy were no longer going to be together. And Jimmy cried. We talked together um, as a family on the beach and amongst the rocks in our motel room just to get away together and say um, we were going to live differently. Um, Then that Christmas also... um, we called my family then my mother and dad were going to come out we said don't come out and uh, told them that we were going to separate it was very difficult for my family and Jim's family they didn't understand Uh, at first Jim said well let's not tell them the real reason and then then by the time we heard the reaction they said well don't you love one another and we said yes and so we called them back and said, the real reason is, Janie's lesbian, I'm heterosexual, said Jim. And I talked with them for a long time and it was very painful for both families. In fact, they sent Dad Spar to kind of talk some sense into us. And I remember we were boxing up things and Dad's Spar coming down the driveway, um, trying, it was the first time Dad Spar had uh, been there. My mother and dad came every year, but the spars hadn't come in years. Uh, to where we lived and there was dad coming down the driveway saying, you know, don't do this. And But we talked with him and he heard us. And so um, Jim and I, I went to a condominium and we picked an apartment for Jim and began our parenting of two days, three days and began that. At the same time, we went and told the session of the church that we were separating. We wrote a letter to the church telling them that we were leaving and this freaked many people because Jim and I loved one another and, and people said, Well my dear God, if you two separate but we didn't tell the people why at that point. We were told that, you know, we might it would be too painful for the church, it would split the church and so we loved the church and said no then that we wouldn't tell them we would just say that we were separating. Um, we were able to tell a few of our friends, um, close ones, just because they were so overwhelmed by hearing it, and said, "You've got to tell us what's going on here." And there were a few that we told, but a lot did not know. Um, then Jim and I began the whole thing of, you know, how do we parent uh, uh, again? Two days, three days. It was it was difficult to know what separation meant for us, and separating from one another. In the meantime, I was doing all the youth groups, doing the school thing and so on. The youth groups were were incredible. and um, uh, But again, not saying why. Um, it really wasn't... Um, all right. Well, um, also, m- several of my advisors were coming in touch with their sexuality, um, the women who... Uh, and that's such a long story, but needless to say... Uh, that was quite something, and we can talk about that one day. But um, uh, I think for me it was finally a time of coming and saying yes to myself. Uh, and I think working with youth has a lot to do around honesty. I, um, I'm i trying to hurry this up. I then um, um, fell in love with um, a woman who attended the church. In fact, I had known her and her husband. Um, uh, we were good friends. Uh, and in fact, uh, her husband had said, I'd gone to seminary with him, and uh, she said to him, "I and I'm not saying her name because she's closeted, um, she said um, to, um, her husband came to me and said, Janie, she's just reading all these books and doesn't seem to be sleeping and so on. I think it may be more than just her interest. Um, But that's when I went and took a whole group of advisors um, to General Assembly uh, in 1978. And it was there that I saw Chris Glosser, met Bill Silver, Sandy Broders, and began to see where am I in all of this. Jim had come also, and um, I was dating a person, a woman at the time, he was dating, uh, this is after we had separated, and I can remember sitting at the General Assembly, uh, and I had, I had taken a whole group of youth with me, and advisors, so I mean it was very, um, you know, to be in, in leadership, with all these youth and sleeping at a church and so on and then going to the assembly and then sitting in the assembly and Jim had come also um, and hearing the terrible things that were said about lesbian gay people and looking at Chris Glosser and I remember saying to Sandy Browders who came out before the whole assembly, I promise that you will not be alone. I'm more and more coming into my own voice and really... um, talking with Bill Silver, Jim Anderson, David Sint, and beginning to think, dear God, how can I be quiet? Or how can I live this way? So I remember then going back to the church, um, and the kids were deeply upset with what had happened. Uh, They were terribly upset. The youth, my youth group, hearing stuff and... um, that just didn't seem kind, compassionate, didn't seem Christian, uh, some of them had gay friends, didn't understand, uh, and needless to say, I was just absolutely nuts inside. Um, I then, um, throughout the summer, took the kids away to Mendocino, and it was really then that I began, um, fell, I actually fell in love with a person that was there, uh, an advisor. And um, she and her husband separated. Um, we were good friends. I mean, people. It 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 wasn't um, people. The light went on for several people at First Press San Rafael. Um, but again, it wasn't being talked about. Um, and then I think it was um, by spring of 1979. Um, there had been an interim there. First, Chuck Griffin was there. Then an interim. Then Jim Miller came, and um, uh, I just knew. uh, Well, I was I was invited to be executive director of Oakland Council, and I thought also by going to Oakland, um, I could possibly be myself more and not be in a pastorate and um, do work with youth again. Asian, African American, European American youth doing stuff with ten Presbyterian churches. That I might have a life. Um, by then, I had begun to date um, a person in the church. Uh, her, she and her husband had separated. He had said, "I hope that that um, if you, you know, are lesbian, that you would date someone like Janie." Um, so. It was amiable for a while with him and uh, with her. And she and I, uh, she had two children, I had mine, and we moved into um, a home together in Oakland. Um, It was really there in Oakland that um, people just, I mean, how could they not know? And I remember being, uh, having wonderful, uh, work there with uh, African American, Asian and European American youth um, and the honesty then of, of being in the Chinese Presbyterian church was where my office was and did a lot of work with their youth and um, and this woman helped me with those kids and my kids participated in hers and uh, and then Jim had the kids every weekend, the boys, so that he wouldn't lose contact with them I mean it was it was just a crazy time. And I remember finally the personnel committee um, saying to me in October, Janie, it's your lifestyle. And I thought they were talking about where I lived. I said, well, I mean, that's how naive I was. And and they said, no, Janie, it's your lifestyle. And I said, well, I love doing this work. And I remember I could hardly talk. I just listened to them and then went home and began to pray. And the woman I was living with and I came... Uh, And I said, this has happened. Um, And essentially, uh, when they said to me something about, are you lesbian, or it's because you're lesbian, finally, um, uh, no, they didn't say it there. I went home and I thought, I'm coming out. And it was really uh, at that time at the Oakland Council that um, I met with the Oakland Council. And they went around the room the first meeting and said, you have so many gifts, Janie, you know, let's get on with the work. Um, just keep doing what you're doing. And I saw that next month, and that was really November into December, that there were only one or two people coming to committee meetings, that it was beginning. It was already shutting down. Um, I was feeling the discrimination, uh, that people didn't know what to do with me, and so on. It was really at that, I think it was the December meeting that people went around the room again and said, uh, a person came from the Committee on Ministry with me, Bob McKenzie, a member, sat with me and said, um, and they said, well, Janie, you know, we love your work and so on, but nobody would finally say it. And finally, a layperson, an attorney from one of the ten churches said, Janie, I want to say that what we believe is that if you stay, that the council will dissolve and we love you and all that kind of thing. And I remember going home there were a group of people, by the way, at my house praying, my family and lots of friends, who were praying at uh, our house and our kids and so on. And it was, uh, it was a, um, when I came out of that meeting, I knew that I would never work there again. I knew that they, they wouldn't give me the opportunity to work. It was like, I felt like something died there. And I said to them, you know, I love this work. I feel called to do this work. And I know you don't want me to do this work here. And I know somehow God will help me find work to do because I'm dead when I don't do it. And so I left there and wrote, uh, came home and met with lots of people, and Jim and Jackie, I think the kids were in bed by then, and and just told them, uh, the group of people there, that I think that was it. From then on, um, it hit the paper here in California. Um, I wrote them a letter and resigned from the council because I said I didn't want it to dissolve and uh, I loved it very much in all the work we had done and that to please tell me though, please not to tell me that they love me because if they love me I would still be doing the work. And um, I resigned and with that I uh, received hundreds of phone calls from people, um, from families who had Les children all around the country and supportive people. Uh, through the Presbyterian Church and in in our neighborhood and so on uh, and got calls from um, uh, other you know people who I had done youth work with their families and then other people that didn't understand and uh, but I was out then I mean I was out and so I thought well, what will I do and the Oakland Council felt very badly gave me six months um, severance pay as they say and um, So I think in the spring, I didn't know what to do with myself. I thought I would always do ministry, and from there, um, you know, uh, we moved back to San Rafael, bought a house over here, and the kids were able to walk to their daddies and walk to my place, and so we did two days, three days, and every other weekend, and I lived with this woman and her children, and so we raised our four kids. It was... um, I know my boys were really glad to be back in San Rafael uh, because that's where a lot of their friends were. And so what do I do? So I went and worked in a nursing home, bathing people and old people 100 years old and cleaning their rooms and lost about 25 pounds. And it was really uh, in the spring, I found out years later the gym had called. MCC San Francisco and said, you really got to hear Janie's story and ought to hear her preach. And I was invited to preach um, in June. Um, and in a week later, I was invited, uh, or a couple weeks later, to join the staff of that church, which was Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual Church. I was told by Presbyterians, don't go, you'll be labeled. But I was already labeled. And when the Presbyterians didn't know what to do with me, My God, MCC just opened their arms to me. Uh, There were six of us on staff, five men and myself, had an amazing experience of um, being with lesbian, gay, bisexual people, putting in a neighborhood leader program, Presbyterian program, it was phenomenal. So from, um, I fell in love with what it means to be Christian and to be lesbian. I was able to preach and do lots of programs, took people on retreat. And the whole thing was consistency, decency and order. Um, As an oppressed community, we had tremendous input. It was when Cuban refugees also were coming uh, over who were lesbian and gay. Uh, There were all kinds of education going on. And I found out I had a wonderful staff of people who I dearly loved, Um, did lots of counseling, did lots of pastoral care, did uh, lots of teaching and preaching, had a tremendous cadre of people who we did planning and and did a whole neighborhood program, had three therapists helping me do it. Um, I loved being there, and I I really integrated my sexuality and spirituality and found out what it means to be lesbian and Christian, and that was an amazing experience for me. Um, It was really... um, Jim Spar and a whole group of people that started PLGC Pacific Region, and then also started um, a whole uh, um, garnering of of folks like Lily and John Irvine. A whole lot of people here, heterosexual allies. Jim had started PLGC, and a whole lot of Presbyterians were were doing lots of work um, while uh, we were all doing lots of planning and started PLGC out here and began to do ministry with other Presbyterians, began to do programming. Um, and especially since the study, we had lots of allies that were uh, working with us in the Presbyterian Church. We did lots of education with, in Presbyterian churches here in Redwoods Presbytery. Um, began um, to... Uh, I guess it was there were Presbyterians then, as through 1980 and 1982, that were meeting um, to talk about after General Assembly how could we hold to the mandate to do reconciliation and dialogue with Presbyterians, and we had begun to do that a lot with PLGC and lots of Presbyterian work here in the area, but it was really. Um, well, I was at MCC uh, San Francisco and in fact I even had Redwoods Presbytery have me minister outside the bounds of uh, in in that presbytery um, that that was a valid ministry for me outside the bounds of Redwoods Presbytery. So that action was taken. I knew this presbytery very well here um, and uh, like I say, had worked with a lot of these people. When... About 1980, 81, when I was at MCC San Francisco, several people began to talk about how we might fulfill that mandate. We had um, several churches that began...